Hello. Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Tony Awards with Sam and Jake, a podcast where we go through the entire filmography of the wonderful Tony Collette. So that's Tony Awards with an I, um, no copyright infringement at all. N- nope, strictly our IP. Simply look at the title, T-O-N-I. Yes. <laughs> uh, the first movie that we're talking about has three different titles. The Princess and the Cobbler slash The Thief and the Cobbler slash Arabian, Arabian Night. Night. Spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. Yes, very important. It's a pun. We were going to start with Muriel's Wedding because uh, it was sort of, it was more definitively her breakout role. She got nominated for a Golden Globe, she which is which is crazy considering it's on Australian film and the Golden oh, Globes wow. usually only recognize uh, American films. Right. But... Jake wanted to talk about the thief and the princess and the cobbler and the Arabian night. I really did want to talk about it because it's such a nightmare. It's, 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 uh, it's storied. So (laughs) let's get into it. Uh, I think the vocabulary word of the day is storied also. A little bit of background. The film was in production for, I found out today, 31 years. (laughs) And the reason why was because they kept on animating it and then going massively over budget Mm -hmm. and not even like a little bit over budget. Like they were given at one point a budget of $100,000 and they made it about halfway through the movie having spent $250,000. And then at one point, it turned out that like three hours of footage that they had animated was done with embezzled money, so they couldn't use it anymore. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the, it kept studio hopping. It was, it was Warner Brothers. It was kind of Disney at one point. A little bit. But then it eventually... I heard the original... I heard, I read, the original creator of the film, Richard Williams, um has not seen the version that he we has watched. Not seen he this refuses version. to watch it because he likened it to jumping off a bridge. Yeah. I don't really know why it was so difficult considering the plot is very thin and doesn't make any sense. It's really strange how it seems like Okay, well, let's well, let's l- just go from the beginning. Let's get into the movie. Yeah. So by we, itself. So we begin with a voiceover from Matthew Broderick, who I have to wonder why he took on this film. Well, um, I have something to say about that as well. I feel like there do was. Do you have to pay some legal fees? I'm wondering about the name actors who did voiceover work in the '90s. Um, you know, Matthew Broderick also did The Lion King. You know, um, Vincent Fucking Price plays so weird the villain and he played you know he it was also his last role was it was this was a lot of people's last roles yeah i saw that poltergeist a little bit a little bit no but like just like very good voice talent but also i have to say maybe it was so many people's last roles because it was being made for 31 years true that yeah i also vincent price i think was attached since the 70s and it came out this release of this version came out in Imagine sticking with this movie for 30 years. I mean, at that point, he was just old, and he was a legend, and he was like, whatever. That's true. I'll play a weird Lee Blue villain. Okay. Oh, my God. The voiceover with Matthew Broderick. Okay, so the voiceover with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Why is he in this movie? I don't know. He plays the lead. He plays... The cobbler. Like Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas is what his character looks like. I was reminded strongly of Salad Fingers. Oh, with the eyes. The, yeah, that eyes. makes sense. 
Very creepy. Also, yeah. his skin changes colors throughout the film. He starts out as a purely black and white character, like fully black and white. And by the end, he's like a tan, like demigod. Like he's buff and oh tan. I would think that um, if they were going thematically, they would have turned him gray. Mm. Because his character would have become more like nuanced or something. Uh <laughs> But I think you should have directed the film. I think that this film should have never been made. But were there directors by the end of it? I don't, I don't think so. Probably not. The constant struggle between Richard Williams and any given number of studios mm-hmm. uh, with this film was basically that Richard Williams just wanted to animate gorgeous pictures. Yeah. And studios kept telling him that he needed to come up with a plot. And that there needed to be a storyline and an explanation for everything that was happening, Mm -hmm. which he did not like. But I don't think that's really fair, given the fact that Disney made many good movies with no plot. Yeah, I think there was just a disconnect somewhere, and Disney, there was no Disney. I mean, I like Disney a lot, and but I do appreciate other animation that's not Disney. But this one, there was just no kind of glue that held anything together. Yeah, it was it. Yeah. So if we get into it, there was an Aladdin name drop very close to the beginning. You mean in the font of of, of the no, title? No, they say image? the name Aladdin. Oh, they and do? Alibaba. They're like before Aladdin and Alibaba. Oh my There gosh. was the thief and the cobbler, or something weird like that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because there's so much similar animation and story beats to Aladdin, and the film came out like three years after Aladdin did, commercially. Yeah. But it was also in development for 25 years before Aladdin came out yeah. as well. So yeah. take with that what you will. And there were so many, like, Richard Williams had some beef with Disney that he ended up Oh, yeah, giving he used up. to work for them, I think. A lot of people yeah. did who it was, made their own um, movies later. Yeah, so... So, yeah, we start early the film. On, yeah. Oh, sorry. Just a quick word on the disney stuff Mm -hmm. um the whole reason why anybody's listening to the pilot episode of the podcast Mm -hmm. is to evaluate where we went wrong or because they're our friends and they love us (laughs) so let's so let's not even try to be cohesive in this episode you're right no one's listening nobody's listening except for us Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and the open mic people upstairs and richard williams himself is he dead no he's not ah I know. How is he not? Anyway. How can he not be dead? So basically, Richard Williams uh, specifically said that he didn't want to follow what he called the Disney route. Mm. He wanted the plot to come together in the last two minutes like a detective film. He, he His intention was that some random nonsense would happen mm-hmm. for about 80 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, you would be like, oh, here's... Why? I don't think anybody would want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. Well, that explains why he... There are some random, random, random musical numbers that pop out of nowhere. Oh, you mean the illiterate people that had consulted a book (laughs) moments before they started singing about how illiterate they are? Oh, my God. Whoa. I didn't even put that together. I loved the book thing, though. Oh, the book thing was so funny. Um, (laughs) But that number just felt like... Like I what, actually love that number. What, what's that number in Mulan where they're, where they're like going to war and they're like, um, oh, a girl worth yeah. fighting for? It's not similar at all thematically, but no, in terms actually, of the, like, I don't know, 
toxic position. masculinity. Yeah, and it's also very similar to this song in Tangled, actually, oh, where a bunch song. of like thugs and ruffians sing a song about their dreams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Disney ripped that off of this movie. One hundred percent. I also. But I'm going to go back a little bit. So the beginning, the first thing you notice mm-hmm. in the movie is that it's basically all two-dimensional for a large part of the film. Everything moves on a two-dimensional plane from a very far distance. And I feel like a lot of the reason I couldn't connect with any of the characters emotionally was because they were always very far away from me. Like, there were so few oh, close-ups yeah. in this. And the few that there were are bizarre looking. I mean, the character designs are very interesting, but they range from interesting to plagiarized. Yes, like the Jafar slash genie character, who's also the villain, the villain, the villain named Zigzag. Yeah. The names also are very. The names are horrible. Princess Yum Yum makes me want to kill myself. Oh yeah, but she's so she's a great character actually. I hated her song so much. Oh, her first song where she's the, doing ballet. The first song that was just exposition, like. <laughs> mishmash of different phrases that other protagonists before her have Mm -hmm. said. She's twirling around her room while Toni Collette is chasing her. Yeah. Toni Collette plays... Toni Collette, who outshines everybody in this movie. Nanny slash nurse. And the witch. And the witch later. That's just an eyeball. And the ghost for two seconds. Oh, yeah. Apparently earlier versions of the film had a much longer witch sequence. Which... Which I'm bummed that Toni didn't get to act. I don't know why they cut that out because... The the witch eyeball was like the best part of the movie. No, and it was well animated and something was happening. You know what it was? It was the only portion that had good voice acting also. Because Tony Collette. Nobody yeah, nobody else was really Vincent Price was good, but none of his dialogue made sense. Yeah, like Vincent Price is like, well Oh, and all it was all rhyming. Oh yeah. I do not want to deal with a rhyming villain. I really don't, especially if nobody else is rhyming. Like, what are you trying to prove? And his hands were so distracting. Like, he, so the villain has, like, Zigzag is this um, wizard who has, like, literally probably 40 rings on both hands. Like, the animated, like, ri- like three yeah. lines of rings. It's, uh, it's so that it hurts when he punches you. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't punch anyone. And his feet are constantly curling up and uncurling. Like, and all the all the characters move in such weird ways. So the weird. thief. Well, let's get to that first. In a second. Yeah, the 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 thief is dumb. I want to finish talking about zigzag. Just and the Yum fact Yum. that the thief exists is dumb. Yeah. But zigzag is basically Jafar. He even has a bird sidekick. Oh, that's named Fido. Yeah, who's voiced by Eric Bogosian. Um who is sarcastic, but yeah, like the, says things like, what did he say? The thing that bugs me about both the bird and the thief is that they're making like Shrek jokes. <sighs> yeah. you, know the, you know how sometimes animated movies will sneak in weird like adult references? Oh, and yeah. it's always just... <sighs> no, and the, There's the a, adult reference, like he was like, when, um, so Tony Collette, I'm just going to call the character Tony Collette. Yeah, who When cares? she like, flips over the thief at the beginning and she also is a cute little nanny and she has like weird bug eyes but she has these weird giant blue boxing gloves on did you notice that like i did not not. boxing gloves but they're like her hands are these huge like (laughs) rubber gloves oh my god and it makes no sense but she beats up him and he's like oh my gosh she reminded me of my 
cafeteria lady. Yeah. Okay, but the best thing he said, the thief, was when the illiterate people's musical number ended and he just immediately goes, it's like Les Mis. Oh my God. Did you catch that? I did not. I literally died. He goes, where I wrote, just like Les Mis. And then immediately cuts away to Yummy. I'm going, I am the queen. Or, I don't know. <laughs> um, the, the line that really bugged me was when he like breaks into the cobbler's apartment uh-huh. and is like, oh, the only people who live this dirty are college kids. Yeah. And then he felt the need to try and rob him while he was sleeping and then take him out of his apartment. Like the thief. So basically, the odds are anyone listening to this has not seen this movie. So I'm going to if try to explain. If anybody did, I would be surprised because it took like a long time to find it. Also, yeah, in seven parts on Daily Motion. Yeah. Also, it's bad. Um, but I um. I'm trying to explain the thief. So I feel like the thief is this silent character, essentially. Yeah. The Never th- moves his mouth. He's green. He's like an alien, kind of, basically, with these pointy ears and like. It's just like a little slug. Slug. He's shaped like a slug, and he just walks around stealing things that are shiny. I guess as thieves, as thieves do. Yeah. But then in the commercial American release, they decided to have an actor who I don't even think is really famous. I don't know who he is, but he, like, so it wasn't like a draw. It wasn't like Robin Williams or what, you know, yeah. or like someone, you know. There was no reason to give him a voiceover, no, he, but they just did it. They had every scene he was on screen. He has this, like, inner monologue of what he's doing, and he's making these jokes about American, like, contemporary society, you know, college students, blah, blah, blah. But I really feel like they just showed the footage to this actor and had him... uh just say the ad lib things, and, and there was no one hundred percent, and there was no cutting of anything. He just kept talking, like, and it was inappropriate sometimes too. I feel like, oh, what about? Okay, I think that the okay. So here's my question: Was the thief queer coded? Because mm. there's this weird moment where he walks into, I think, like Princess <gasps> Yum Yum's bathtub, bathtub mm-hmm. and he's like, "What's this? Oh, a naked woman." But anyway, let me focus on getting these golden balls. And it's like no, it was the gold back scratcher. The gold back that scratcher. she was scratching her back with in the tub. Gross. But he goes, yeah, naked lady. Yeah. But not in a lascivious way at all. He just goes, naked lady. Hmm. Back scratcher. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the whole plot, listeners, hinges on three large golden balls. <laughs> Vincent Price says the phrase, "Golden balls." Get the balls at least so four many times. times. So there are these three golden balls that rest atop a pillar in the kingdom. Mm. And this thief has taken all three of them, which leaves their kingdom vulnerable to attack from the One-Eyes. And the One-Eye Lord has a, a, a large machine that will attack them. Did you notice that? Also, they they specifically <laughs> it's called make a note of... <laughs> they say... Our kingdom will 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 be under attack within three days. Oh, I didn't catch that. And 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 it's like basic storytelling trick. If the rest of the movie doesn't take place over the course of those three days, have it be urgent. Whatever. I'm yeah, an asshole. I hate myself. No, but that's true. Um, also, like there was no reason for him to take the balls. There's no reason to take from take the balls. He vaults continually up. Oh my god! My favorite thing he did though was he says when... that he's going to like sell the gold for money to go to Disneyland. Right. 
He literally said that. And he also, at one point, is trying to climb into the castle through this drain pipe. And, like, you don't see him inside the drain pipe at all. You just see the outside of the drain pipe with, like, a figure going up. Like, animation. Yeah. Like, basic, like, visual. But then, so you don't see anything going on. And then all of a sudden you hear him say, oh, mom, what are you doing here? And she goes, did you notice that? I think I did. He goes, mom, what are you doing here? And she's just like, oh, I haven't seen you in a long time. You never call. And it, then he just moves on. Yeah, he just keeps going up, and then he gets flushed down the toilet. Oh, he gets there. He's like, this is a Turkish restaurant. Let me call the waiter. And he pulls <laughs> this rope, and it gets flushed down the toilet again. It, it's like... It's offensive. A little bit, yeah. Because <laughs> there was this whole 90s, like, Aladdin, too. Not that Aladdin is... I mean, like, I love Aladdin, but, like, this whole 90s, like, animation trope of having the whitest people play characters in all these animated films that do not take place. Oh, you and mean like, like when DJ's boyfriend from Full House played a Middle Eastern thief? <laughs> Wait, was that who that the thief the, was? No, I mean in Aladdin. Oh, right, right, right. Well, and, and, I don't know why I characterized Aladdin specifically as a thief. Well, you no, know why? Because even... one of my points was because one of the reasons why this movie is so unlikable, mm-hmm. the thing that Aladdin did right was that it made basically the thief and the cobbler into same. the same character ah, true which is good because not in this movie neither the thief nor the cobbler have anything to do besides what's in their name like the cobbler is, is just so cobbling real. shit all the live long day the thief is just stealing none of them have any reason and they don't to really be speak, there really. they don't speak only in narration the only people that speak are the princess and vincent price Oh, and the the um the cobbler's inner monologue isn't in the other version. Right. Like it was written uh-huh. for this version. He has like one line in the original. They version. were they were like, How can we get Matthew Broderick on this movie? No, apparently in the original version, the cobbler had one line and they were literally gonna have Sean Connery do it. Oh my and god. And he just didn't show up to the studio. <laughs> That's like this movie in a sentence. He ghosted he goes to them. But then, so the cobbler, basically his design, I don't dislike it, but I don't understand. His mouth is literally just two tacks. Yeah. Like thumbtacks. Because his name is Shaped. Tack. Well, yeah, but that's the reveal. They're shaped like a mouth sometimes, and then the princess just falls in love with him. And Tony Collette oh, does for not no trust. Okay, I wrote down one of my favorite lines was, um, Tony Collette says... What is it with this cobbler anyway? I just don't see it. And Princess Yum Yum's response is, well, you need new glasses. I wrote that too. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> it just reminds me of uh, that that bit from like the animated Grinch cartoon that goes viral every Christmas. Of, um, Which of, one? It, it's like one of the Who's is I've saying- I've seen all the Grinch cartoons. One of the Who's is saying like- you know, I like you much better with my glasses off. And the Grinch just goes, you put your glasses back on and, and face, face the, the facts. facts. Yeah, that's um, Halloween is Grinch night. Oh. Otherwise known as Grinch night. Yeah. That's a great fucking car- cartoon. Oh, for sure. I love those two And things. I love all cartoons um, for the most part. Actually, yeah. no, I don't. I, I never watched like... Okay, that, that's a very bold statement. Yeah. But this was very hard to love. But I appreciate the effort. I give. <laughs> I do think that it, it's clear watching it that the main goal was to create a piece of visual art right. primarily. Oh yeah, because like the, that the, MC Escher esque like chase scene. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was actually that was, okay. That was like fun. Um, but the writing was so horrible. True. That when they sing a song, 
where the lyrics are, am I feeling love? Am I feeling love? I don't even know what was going on there. But she like, was feeling love. Which is so, like, that lyrics rough. lyrics that sound like a human being who has never experienced a single emotion. I really appreciated her first number, though, that we talked about earlier, because she was literally just twirling, like, doing such hardcore ballet to this hugely <laughs> slow song while Tony Collette kept, like, draping veils over her oh, because yeah. she couldn't be outside <laughs> without her see-through veils. Yeah. And she also, I do have a compliment to give this movie in the context of considering the princess is literally Princess Jasmine, but like dressed like a 90s R&B star more than Jasmine already is. Yeah. And then like um, she has way more agency than Jasmine from the get-go. She's like, I want to help the kingdom. I want to help my dad. Like, you know, Oh, yeah, that was, like, what I had the biggest problem with, though, is she, like, I feel like the song that she sings was just, they pulled a bunch of expository Mm. dialogue from different female protagonists throughout the ages, and then just mashed them all together. Of course. And there's no actual details of, like, the kind of person that she actually is like that's true like she like she saves a thief from getting executed just by saying don't kill him and she saves like a the cobbler when she breaks from... her shoe in half though that was pretty fierce. that was kind of cool she just like randomly snaps her shoe in half she's like i need a cobbler <laughs> um and then later she volunteers to go on this desert adventure and save the, the kingdom yeah i'm just saying also this movie has three times as many by having three female characters, this has movie has three times as many female characters as Aladdin. That's very true. <laughs> so there's that. That's so true. Um, but uh, so. Oh, we also have to give props to her dad, because uh, King Nod. Yeah, whatever. Because he sleeps a lot. Um, because <laughs> there's that scene where, I I guess Jafar. Uh, zigzag. Yeah, zigzag. But it's the same motive Jafar. as Jafar as well. J- Jafar is just like, hey, let me... Like, all this weird shit is going on. They're like, the golden balls have been stolen. The cobbler won't leave. They also literally... Uh, what do we do? What the, are they made out of? They, the one They were bouncing so much. Yeah. <laughs> they were like... But the emperor is like, what do we do? Jafar is like, what if I marry your daughter? And the emperor, like, almost considers it for a minute. And then he's like... No. Yeah, he's like, leave me alone. You, a practitioner of the black arts, marry my daughter. <laughs> Get out of here. And, and just I'm like, leaves. that's how Aladdin should have ended. Jafar is just so much better animated than Zigzag. Yeah. Zigzag is blue, and his shoulders are so tall, and his feet. I just didn't understand what was going on at yeah. all. And then he goes to visit One Eye, which is the threat that's going to attack the city when the balls are gone. And one eye doesn't make any sense either. Also, apparently, all I've, those like women. Did you see like women shapes that they were sitting on when he visited one eye? Oh, did they have human furniture? Yeah, they had human furniture, and they were all like basically, I guess, dressed like slave Leia. There's a Fet Life page for that. And it was crazy because apparently, in previous versions, there were more developed characters of these like servant women that he was sitting on. I don't oh my like God. that. I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they took that out. But um, um, I did appreciate how Zigzag 
keeps one eye closed the entire time he's talking to the one eyes. Oh yeah, that's very. That, that was, was kind of funny. Cool. And then he. Tries it, it, it was to... funny and it was understated. Which and I then they throw him to these alligators, um, which alligators, I'm pretty sure don't exist in um, Middle Eastern yeah. countries. That's also. Also, Maybe. when the bird right after is like, I'll eat the leftovers. Because he's been whining about how he's oh, hungry for the past 20 minutes. he does end up eating zigzag, though. Nice. Remember? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I actually didn't. But <laughs> I just, I, I've just been. the leftovers. <laughs> I can't wait to quote this movie. Oh, there's another quote I wrote. Um, oh, my God. So, basically, they leave. Also, the city is named Baghdad. Throwing that out there. They decided to rename the Golden City Baghdad for the commercial American release. Oh, that was new? Mm-hmm. It was just called the Golden City before. That's interesting. And so they go to the Witch's Tower, which is like a mountain made out of hands. And um, the thief tries to climb the mountain, and he says, um, uh, what does he say? He's like, if this mountain started applauding, I'd be dead. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> pretty funny, I guess. I don't know. I laughed. This was also... The heroes are with the illiterate people. What are they called? The brigands. They just sang this song. They just called them the illiterates. They sang this song about how they should stay in school. The lyric was literally, we're what happens when you don't finish school or something. It feels like this movie was just compiled from different lessons that they wanted to teach children. Plus, Mm -hmm. Richard Williams is craziest animation dreams i think that i that was my favorite scene though was um it was my favorite scene but it was so like transparently mm -hmm. moral it felt very like oh my god i just realized what it reminded me of the bfg oh all the giants to me it felt like like an episode of schoolhouse rock yes that's true or like sesame street or something i liked their animation and i think the best parts of the animation in this movie were the like individual um hand movements and like some body movements because I felt like those were actually really well done but the rest of everything happening around it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like the whole every character basically also design wise seemed like they were all from different movies. Yeah. Um, I also not to like I, f- I almost feel like criticizing the storytelling of this movie is futile mm-hmm. because Every single thing they got wrong. Um, (laughs) But the fact that Tack and Princess Yum Yum are in love for no reason... Well, he they just stare at each other from oh, no, across a room. She broke her shoe for yeah. him to fix because she was already in love with him. And when they first see each other, they both creepily turn their heads. Oh my almost god! Almost all the way, like one eighty, and stare at each other with blank faces. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm when doing I it see to Sam right now. I like. That's how we met. It's like how uh, it, it's like how cats will blink really slowly if they love you. Wait, that's real. I read it on the internet. My cats don't do that. Oh. Does yours? Sometimes. I will try to do it to my cat sometimes. Um, I'll blink really slowly and see if she does it back. And yeah, just like that. <laughs> uh, and sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't. Um, I just wrote alligators question mark. Um, oh, I'll have to say this later. 
Anyways, you can say it now. No, because it's a it's one of our awards. Is uh-huh. gonna be. You guys, we have a segment coming up. Um, let's get this movie over with. There's a random moment where they sing, where they play "Night on Bald Mountain," that like song that's in Fantasia with the demon in the mountain. I've never seen Fantasia. They literally play "Night on Bald Mountain" while the thief is jumping off a thing to try and fly over to. They never followed up on that. I just realized. Remember when he's trying to steal the ruby? No. Well, they never follow up, and then it's just over. Oh, but it's because they cut the witch sequence down. So now we're at Tony Collette's final um, role in the film. Yeah. Of two, uh, which is a floating eyeball who, I mean, she finally sounds like herself. Like, you could watch the movie and not know that the That she was, was the nurse, yeah, yeah. I could not tell. Um, She's a very talented actress. Yeah, no, she sounded like an old woman. And she was probably, what, in her 30s back then? No, she's not. No, she's... (sighs) Who cares? I don't know how old she is. She was was younger than she is now. And she just played a mother to, like, a 17-year-old and an 11-year-old in Hereditary, so... That's true. She's ageless, like I said. She is. Like all Australians, besides Russell Crowe. Right. <laughs> Who is even Australian besides Russell Crowe, Nicole Kidman, and I feel like Tony there's Collette? somebody I'm forgetting. Oh, Carrie Mulligan. Oh, right? Right? I did not. I have no. Nope. I, I don't. She's actually British, I think. Same thing. I'm just looking at my notes to see if there's anything I forgot. Oh, Steve Irwin. Remember, I made that joke. He's oh not god. ageless because he's dead. Oh my god, that's not funny. It's very funny. <laughs> um, oh, some lines that made me upset. Um, <laughs> the voiceover that Matthew Broderick does, where he's like, "I tried to impress her with some cobbling tricks." Oh right, and they're just like, "How many cobbling tricks could there possibly be?" While he was like making all these. Just like juggles designs some shoes. out of the shoelaces, remember? Oh. Like he made literally her face. But that was while he was in prison. <laughs> Do you remember the <laughs> polo tournament? No. So Zigzag throws a polo match for the princess. Um, and then they spend a lot of time chasing the thief around. What is he doing? Like what? There was no purpose for there. There's no reason for him to be there. Not to mention, be the first character in the title. Yeah. Of the original. That's so true. Story. I mean, at the end, he does save the day, but because he stole the balls, and then they catch him with the balls. He just he 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 just helped fix his own mess. Is what happened. And why are the balls? How how do they help? Well, they keep the sperm in. (gasps) Oh. The sperm of the city of Baghdad. Yeah. Collectively, it's all in there. Oh, my God. Which doesn't explain why it bounces. They bounce so... Like, they fall off the tower, and they literally just keep bouncing. And then they disappear, and then the king's like, oh, my God, where are the balls? And then the thief is somehow, like, hiding them under his robe. I mean, he just doesn't know about the balls. He yeah he doesn't know that those balls are what's keeping the city safe. From He's also just literally a gremlin. He truly is. They. 
I have this weird thing that I enjoy in anime movies where, like, sometimes the characters change colors halfway through the movie, <laughs> and you just are okay with it. In different shots, there are different hue. And I kind of like that because it's like, um, in real life, lighting changes, and, like, that's how it would be. But in this yeah. movie, the fact that Tack starts is literally, like, he looks like the wimpy kid. Yeah, Doodle. well, he got buff in prison because oh, because he didn't could, eat. Because what else? <laughs> yeah, that's how that that's how you get muscles. Um, he literally turns into Aladdin at the end. Yeah, and his sleeves get ripped off, and he, he was. He you was know what cute. it is? He they animated the it chronologically. True. And Aladdin had come out before they started animating <sighs> the end, and they were like, "Oh, okay." Back to the drawing board. But if literally. Aladdin had come out, and it did come out three years before this movie was released why was the main villain blue with a mustache that literally because looks richard like... williams hates robin williams <gasps> they're oh my god they were they got like upset related. at each other at a family party the cause... williams feud yeah oh my god <laughs> the thief is robin and the cobbler is richard because he cobbled this movie together Wow. And Robin stole the color blue from Richard. <laughs> yeah. This movie needed a genie. Did you catch that moment when Tack goes, I don't need a genie. I have sh- tacks. Fucking, like, <laughs> like grow up. <laughs> Honestly. What was what did Tony say when she was the witch and she was like, attack, attack, attack. And it's code for throw attack at the evil villains and they oh, will be destroyed. it's like realize, realize, realize. <laughs> One of those types of things. So are we done talking about the plot? Um. Oh, there's a moment where <laughs> Princess Yum Yum, after having ostensibly already fallen in love with Tack, asks her nurse if cobblers have names. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure the nurse says something like, who cares? <laughs> She's like, just let him cobble. <laughs> That's, that is true. She was pretty, the nurse was very important. The nurse was hugely important. She was definitely my favorite character. No, my favorite character was. The nurse and the witch were the best Yeah, ones. they were. They yeah. were. Okay, so should we give out some awards? Yeah. Okay, so here on the Tony Awards, we give out. With an I. Uh, Tony with an I Awards. R.I.P. Um, not rest in peace. Our intellectual property. But, okay, here on the Tony Awards, we uh, give out some Tony Awards at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, uh, let's decide what the Tony Award for best prop goes to. Okay, this is actually, this is, there's a lot of props in this movie. You, you think about it. You go first. So we each we each give one. Yes. Okay. So I, I think the easy answer would be the balls, mm. because they are the MacGuffin, as you will, of the plot. Um, but I kind of want to go with the, uh, trash can with wheels that the thief uses to roll up some stairs. <laughs> um, early on in the film and didn't slide back down the stairs. It just makes about eight different kinds of sense, clearly. Yeah, and it's also like 
the the shot is filmed or filmed. I don't know what it's called. Framed. Framed from very far distance, so you just kind of see the trash can on wheels rolling up the stairs while the actor, what's his name? Jonathan Winters is his name. That's right. And he's just continually going, oh my God, I'm just rolling up some stairs. I'm on my way. I'm almost there. Oh, oops. No, I'm just rolling back down. I'm falling into the river. That moment. So my best prop is the wheeled trash can. Nice. Because that kind of sums up my thoughts about the film. Uh, my best prop is the nurse's glasses that mm. apparently will fix her perception of the fact that tack contributes nothing to anybody's life. Uh, I like the metaphor. Best, thank you. And her gloves were pretty sickening. Uh, <laughs> what did you give the award for best Tony mom to? Okay, so I almost mentioned this earlier, but I saved it for this. Oh because... yeah, this is a Tony award for the best the Tony best Collette Tony Collette moment, moment in the film. It's self-explanatory. And I think it is when, I mean, it's not. she doesn't say anything, but at, at the end of the first scene with the illiterate brigands, and they've just finished their musical number, and Princess Yum Yum notices, hey, that's my nanny you're sitting on. And <laughs> nanny, smiling, crawls out from underneath a giant man. Going, <laughs> and then they just move on from the scene, and they amazing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, mine was the scene where she tells Princess Yum Yum that Tack isn't worth anything. Yes. Uh, uh, honorable mention goes to her first appearance as the witch when she is a floating eye, and brilliant. that is the best piece brilliant. of animation in the film, I think. Yeah. All right, and every week we're going to give out a custom Tony Award uh, based on whichever element. Of the film we found noteworthy. Um, <laughs> noteworthy. Yeah. I give this movie the Richard Williams Award for wasting everybody's time. Ooh, that's savage. Um, let's see. I give this movie the Animation Award for not being Disney in the 1990s. Hell yeah. Because, and that is the award I'm giving to this film, and I think it deserves it the most, because as we know, or as you may not know, but I know because I'm a nerd, Disney Animation had a golden age, like a renaissance in the 90s. You know, all your faves came out. Aladdin. Little you know, Mermaid. Little Mermaid was 89, but basically. Who cares? Uh, Mulan. Beating the Beast, Mulan, um, Pocahontas, Lion King, Hercules. Song of the South. Tarzan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so as that was happening, other animation kind of blow, blew. Yeah. Blowed? Blew. And this is a shining example of independent animation that is trying really hard, but literally cannot <laughs> do anything. With the exceptions being the like... The non-Disney animation award for trying your best. The exceptions being for like... 31 years. The studio, like Don Hahn studio, made like The Land Before Time, like The Secret of Nim and stuff yeah. like that. That was good, but that was like still not as good as Disney. Just commercially and just in general, like the films themselves don't really have the same kind of impact. Yeah. And um, this movie, I think, gets the biggest award for that. Because it's truly the messiest and most confusing thing I have ever seen. And for that, I have decided I love it. I love that. So we are nearing the end of the podcast. Uh, Jake, where can people find you online? Well, thanks for asking. Um, my Instagram handle is, as of now, J-A-K-O-B-E-E-M. 
And I'm also on Twitter as the real J-A-K-O-B-E-E-M. And that is pronounced Jacobeam. Where can people find you, Sam? Uh, I am Samala Prosser on both Twitter and Instagram. Any underscores? No. No underscores. I took them <laughs> out, which was a very... Uh, um, bold. It was a very bold move on my part. But, you know, I think it's ready. It's Easier to find. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Um... No. Well, I can plug the web series that you and I did a year ago. Oh, yeah. It's called Hard Feelings. It's on YouTube. Uh, just YouTube search Hard Feelings web series. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. So what kind of note do we want to end the pod on? I was thinking maybe we could sing the acclaimed song from the thief and the cobbler slash the princess and the cobbler slash Arabian night, which goes it. What is it called? Is this, am I feeling love? Or, (laughs) uh, we could sincerely wish our viewers a good night and a happy morning tomorrow. That's a really good idea. All right. Tonettes. We're really coming out of the gate there with nicknaming <laughs> our fans, our basically um, just your mom. Yeah, you know she'll listen, listen to, to this. this. Yeah. Of course she's going yeah. to listen. I love you, Pam. I love you, Pam, too. All Aww, right. She's just cried. We're OK. Let's end <laughs> this podcast on a special note for Pam Everhart. Pam, this is Sam, uh, your son's BFF. I want to let you know that I appreciate your insights on Facebook and Twitter, and I love the new direction you're taking the United Methodist Church into. (laughs) You're probably the greatest pastor that the state of Florida has to offer at this moment. Oh, my God. Okay, Shout out to Tanya, Sam's mom. For being really just a real, just the realist. You know, every time I've, I don't know her very well. I don't know you very well, Tanya, but I just know that if we ever got to hang out for longer than like five minutes, it would really be pretty great. And I would love to go and walk with you um, to end diabetes (laughs) next year, hopefully. Okay, that's been our podcast. Join us next time for Muriel's Wedding. Muriel's underscore wedding. Peace out, Tonettes. Peace out.